Welcome to the first episode of BC's Path to Universal Child Care podcast. We would like to recognize that this podcast is recorded on the traditional unceded lands of the Coast Salish people, including the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam nations. In the process of reforming childcare in BC, it is important to recognize and honor Indigenous ways of knowing that have nurtured the children of this land from time immemorial. BC is taking important steps to make childcare and early learning accessible and affordable for all children and families. We here at West Coast are excited about these developments and are eager to support our families and all our community partners. We understand that these changes and developments are going to impact all stakeholders, from children and families, childcare providers and educators. We want to learn and support our community in this journey, and we're excited to explore and document it through this new podcast series. We are looking forward to bringing you conversations with educators, childcare providers, advocates and families over the year to learn everyone's perspectives, roles and responsibilities in this transformation. So, without further delay, we will, are delighted and honored to introduce our first podcast host and guest. This episode will be hosted by the incomparable Gita Chud, our long-standing advocate and expert in childcare, and our founding board member of West Coast Child Care Resource Centre. And our first guest is the Honourable Katrina Chen, Minister of State for Child Care. Over to you, Gita. Thank you so much. Good morning, Minister Chen, and welcome to our podcast. We thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. We're excited to have you launch the BC's Path to Universal Child Care podcast with us. Firstly, for the few people who may not be that familiar with your background, could you give us please a brief introduction to your connection with childcare in BC? Thank you so much, Gita, and thank you all for having me. I'm, I'm really honored to be able to join your first podcast and uh, also recognizing that I'm speaking here from the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people. And reconciliation is an important part of our BC's childcare plan to make sure we provide more culturally inclusive early learning care for all diverse needs and for all communities, including uh, the Indigenous communities and their families and their children. Um, of course, uh, I do have some connections with childcare as a mother who continues to struggle with childcare. Um, my son is in school now, but before and after school care and as a working parent without any other family here, uh, it is something that I face on a daily basis and trying to find solutions. And, you know, thankfully, I have great friends who are able to help. Uh, as an immigrant, I don't have any other family here, which is um, another layer of challenge, but I have been able to have the support of friends and the school community and before and after school care. And I've utilized different types of childcare before when my son was younger, but it can continue to be a significant barrier for many working parents like myself to continue with our career goals uh, or education goals and to be able to uh, utilize and, and really reach our full potential. So childcare is very personal to me and I'm also very grateful and honored to have learned so much from early childhood educators, professionals from the childcare sector since I started this work in 2017. Your ideas, your input have really helped us to shape our childcare BC plan, which is about changing the whole system. It's no longer a patchwork. We need to lower parent fees, supporting early childhood educators, and at the same time, uh, continue with the acceleration of space creation. There's a lot of work to do, and I am excited to be able to talk a little bit about it today. 
Thank you so very much. And we really appreciate that you gave us some personal context, um, you know, related to your son and being an immigrant single mother and the support that you so welcome from friends and yet all the challenges involved. You have mentioned, Minister Chen, some of the elements of the Universal Child Care Program. We're wondering if you could just elaborate a little bit on the key elements that will be involved. Totally. Uh, we've started this journey in 2017, and I remember um, we had a forum and we went out uh, visiting a lot of childcare professionals, the sector, early childhood educators, and did a lot of engagement in the first few months when I started this job. Because at the time um, when I started this work, we know that there was no childcare system. Early childhood educators are struggling with low wages and lack of support. Parents who are struggling to find spaces or being able to afford spaces because the cost of childcare can be more than your mortgage or rent, um, and it occupies a huge portion of a family's income. It's getting so expensive uh, for the past, uh, I would say, 15, 20 years. So, you know, we have a lot of work to do at the time. So we quickly put together a childcare plan based on the advice that we've been getting from a lot of advocates and experts from the field. Um, and what we've heard is that you cannot do patchwork. You have to focus on every uh, item together on affordability, quality, and accessibility. And later on, we also added inclusion, knowing how inclusive early learning and care is so important to diverse needs of our young children and families. Um, so we have been rolling out, I, I've lost count. I started with saying we've rolled out over three dozens of initiatives, but now I think it's over 40 something, especially with the pandemic that we've rolled out emergency funding as well to support providers to go through the, the toughest time in the beginning of this pandemic when things were shut down. Um, so we have started this journey in 2017 with a provincial budget of over $2.3 billion accelerating the creation of spaces, supporting early childhood educators through wage enhancement, bursary programs, workforce support, um, and at the same time, uh, have three different initiatives trying to lower parent fees. And I have to say, a lot of people have said to me, your childcare plan is so complicated. There's so many initiatives and uh, where are we going? But this has been an important journey for us to learn how to work with the very diverse sector. We need to remember, we started with a very market-based system very broken, so many ways of uh, early childhood educators being paid, um, how parents are being charged for childcare fees and different ways of running different centers. So we've collected significant data uh, during the past three and a half years as we started this plan as well. And this summer, we have the federal government coming on board saying that BC uh, is the first province to start the national childcare plan. So I have to say, um, we are in a really good place right now. There's a lot of hope for the future. We're building our um, four to seven, five to eight year plan for the coming years. Um, a lot of uh, engagement that's gonna actually be shared with early childhood educators and providers across the province to get your feedback about the future of our childcare system. Great, and we wanted to pursue that theme a little bit further, Minister Chen, uh, a wee bit later. However, thank you so much for highlighting all of the key elements involved and um, moving ourselves from the patchwork to a real system. 
Um, you have uh, mentioned that you yourself are a parent and on a personal level, are there some particular elements about the new model of universal childcare that really excite you? Or would you say that across the board from quality, affordability, accessibility and inclusion, they are all equal in terms of your own excitement? I'm excited about everything, especially when I see results of how families uh, are really being supported through the childcare plan. I, I remember going to childcare centers, uh, hearing even early childhood educators saying that they're able to stay in the field because their kids got affordable childcare. Mm -hmm. Their kids have access to $10 a day uh, childcare. So those are the stories that get us motivated to continue with this work. But I would say uh, among all the initiatives, I know the key is to make sure the workforce is really uh, significantly and strongly supported. Uh, this is something that we've known from the beginning, but also learning a lot uh, along the way about the challenges of building a new system. Uh, it takes time to build spaces, um, but through partnership and through now you see a lot of uh, spaces on school grounds, community spaces, indigenous um, uh, even on reserves that we've been funding and, and a lot of different partnership and small family providers as well have been really working with us to get their license, uh, ch childcare spaces licensed, and there's so many different partnerships going with spaces. So it could be built over time. And of course, with affordability, it depends on government budget, right? So, and also our initiatives to work with providers such as the fee reduction program that we've learned so much to uh, learn about how to lower parent fees and at, at the same time working with providers because we know if you only give subsidies to parents the market will continue to increase the cost and it will never become affordable and we've learned that from other jurisdictions but i would say what gets me the most excited uh, part of it and also the biggest challenge is to support a workforce it is the hardest part of our plan because it takes time to train early childhood educators and we are also figuring out how to better support their wages. Um, now we're looking at a wage grid program to make sure there's more um, predict, uh, you know, you can predict your wages better and more stability and more support through government funding. At the same time, how do we continue to keep early childhood educators in this field with ongoing support? And there's so many uh, diverse um, ways of, you know, being a nerdy, well, working in different centers and different needs. So. We're learning along that and that would say, I would say that's the, the most important part of the plan to build that foundation, but also uh, a really challenging part too. Indeed. Um, so thank you again for kind of integrating the, um, the challenges and work ahead related to, you know, policy and procedure. And at the same time, the importance of the stories that you have heard and learned from families and from early childhood educators. You actually provided a segue, Minister Chen, to our next question, which is how long do you think families will wait until they can see spaces become more available and affordable? I mean, we know that it's not going to happen overnight in terms of building more spaces, but just wondered if you might be able to comment on availability and affordability in terms of time? I would say since we started the plan in 2018, starting to build spaces, supporting early childhood educators and lower parent fees, um, we have been hearing a lot of great stories across the province. So tens and thousands of families are already seeing the impact of the investments that uh, we've provided during the, the past few years. That being said, definitely way more work to do because it's not 
fully accessible for all families in BC. And that's the system and that's our vision and goal to create a new social program that every family in British Columbia who wants it or needs affordable quality inclusive childcare that they will have the access. Um, so we are on that journey. But at this moment, I would say um, not a single week that goes by that I don't hear uh, someone sharing a story about, I finally got a childcare space at, at its new center. That Wonderful. Just yeah. Or even before and after school care. Um, and I've been hearing that uh, uh, parents are able to uh, provide better uh, support to their families, uh, including uh, one day I was just at the playground. I remember I bumped into a friend who said, I've been hoping to thank you. Um, my wife is an early childhood educator and she uh, decided to go back um, to the field because she's so excited about the wage enhancement and uh, they bought a new place uh, in Promudi that they're able to start their family they've been renting and living with parents for a long time and they're so excited to be able to finally afford a place because they got access to quality affordable childcare, and those are the stories that we have been hearing and we need absolutely to valuable and and we're just delighted that you've had the opportunity to hear from people not necessarily that you know such positive feedback about what it's meant to them just you know as as you shared with us you've already mentioned this but perhaps you'd like to expand on a little bit more minister chan our next question was to ask you about the kinds of changes that group child care programs and educators can expect to see so you mentioned for example in terms of educators the wage grid and i wonder if you might again elaborate a little bit on that Yes, uh, so we have been uh, starting with uh, quite a historical and new initiatives, the wage enhancement program uh, for early childhood educators uh, started with uh, $1, $2, and now this year you'll be $4 um, per hour uh, on top up, uh, a top up payment for early childhood educators. That will, uh, we're expecting once the $4 is being rolled out, that will bring the median wage to for early childhood educators to about $25 an hour. And when we started this journey in 2017, I remember the median wage at the time was about 17, 18. And I've even heard early childhood educators being paid minimum wage at the time. So I think with government's minimum wage increase and with the wage enhancement, uh, that is bringing early childhood educators wage to about 24, $25. That being said, if we look at other comparable uh, uh, occupations like uh, education assistants or people who work in education or field, that is, it's, we still have a long way to go to be able to catch up with the gap because we keep losing early childhood educators to either fields. Um, so we have been uh, working on a potential wage grid program, uh, especially with the input of uh, advocates and early childhood educators and many providers that we're looking at um, uh, more uh, providing more stability. So when early childhood educators come in, they know how much minimum that they'll be paid and with their increased experience that their wage will continue to go up. Mm -hmm. So that's something we've been looking at. For sure. As you say that, I'm thinking a long while ago, a headline in the newspaper was that zookeepers make more than early childhood educators and not to disrespect zookeepers in any way but it boldly stood out some of the other developments that i think uh, will help both programs and educators is now the newer capacity to offer more spaces in the college training programs and studies in early childhood 
I know at some of the colleges, you know, they've been able to expand the number of spaces to accept new students who are choosing early childhood as their uh, career and professional path. I'm really happy that you mentioned that because we're looking at also creative ways and making uh, the training program more flexible, uh, especially for early childhood educators for remote and uh, yes. rural communities. Rural areas. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking at even including a high school dual credit program. Um, we have the bursary program. Uh, we have uh, different workforce support. So it, and also the uh, uh, pilot uh, work integrated training. That's another program that's been really popular uh, for early childhood educators to do their practicums. So right. many new initiatives and thanks yes. for all the ideas from the sector. Yeah, lots of new initiatives. Thank you. And so you've spoken to uh, group childcare and educators that will definitely see a lot of positive impact. Might you be able to comment on family childcare settings in this new system? Totally. We uh, have always been making sure that smaller providers, family childcare uh, providers are included in part of our plan because they do face different challenges uh, than group providers. They tend to work in alone, uh, in isolation, a lot of time with a lot of young kids on their own, uh, or maybe with a, a support, one more staff. Uh, it's not easy to run small uh, family providers and especially uh, that they're very needed in a lot of rural and remote communities that we've learned and in urban communities as well. I've personally used an in-home OTH provider and we just really love um, the service that's you know close to our neighborhood and being able to provide some flexibility for my son's early learning as well so uh, we definitely value the importance of uh, family providers so uh, we will definitely make sure that uh, they're part of our plan and as you can see through our funding we had a startup funding to increase non-licensed provider to become licensed providers and with the most recent federal announcement that a family provider has also been a highlight to make sure, for example, our prototype site, the $10 a day site when we're expanding, that there is a priority uh, for uh, family providers who are providing mm. the critical services as well. Okay, wonderful to learn that as well. Um, you've spoken a lot about community input, uh, you know, in, in terms of research projects and stories um, that have, have been uh, very influential to the changes. Um, our next question just asks if there will be more opportunities for parents and educators to have input as to how the new system will be shaped. This is a great time for this question because we are going to roll out more engagement in the coming weeks and months um, as we are building our next year and the future years plan. Uh, many people have learned that childcare is moving to education to connect the service between zero to five and K to 12. Uh, why we're doing that is because uh, we've looked at other jurisdictions. Most jurisdictions have childcare connected to education. And it is because we need to focus on a child as a whole, regardless of how old they are. And that's going to be an important move. And we all will get feedback from uh, the sector, especially early childhood educators and providers and families to see how we build the system. But the, the initial move will just be more administrative to move my position and uh, our team to administrative education. All the programs, all the services and support will stay in place. So I, I also want to make sure that people have been asking a lot of questions. And, and don't worry, uh, the support and the benefits and the funding will stay in place. Um, but what we're trying to do is to pull childcare. Currently, it's under four different ministries. 
the work even uh, in a bureaucratic level is very broken. Um, with my position, we have been able to pull that together quite a bit and have a central focus and a priority for the government, but we need to fix the system and pull it all together under education. Right. So the move, obviously, to the Ministry of Education will take some time, and I know you've put some timelines around that, and there will be complications, and yet at the same time, as you say, you know, other jurisdictions have managed that. We can probably learn from them, and it definitely then will place childcare in a universal public system. And so our last question, um, and again, you, you've already commented on, on this with your comprehensive responses, Minister Chan. What can be some of the next steps as childcare activists and advocates that we can take in moving the process forward? What would be a welcome input from your ministry's perspective? We always welcome any feedback, <laughs> and I, I often say I welcome criticisms as well. Sometimes uh, it really helps me when I get a message from a provider saying that, hey, did you look at this, this gap here? Uh, we're experiencing some challenges of not being able to utilize this funding well, or there's a gap, that families are falling behind, or this family is not being covered. Those are the stories that help us to shape our policies. And I do want to take this opportunities to really thank early childhood educators and advocates across the province who have been, and parents, a lot of parents and especially mothers. I noticed that it's a lot of women uh, doing the advocacy as well as we're uh, unfortunately historically being impacted the most uh, with our childcare struggles. That it, it is because of your advocacy that the government is putting childcare as a top priority. And I cannot tell you how this summer when I was um, doing the agreement with the federal government. It's just such a historical moment. Not This is the first time in Canada's history that provincial government, federal government, and along with a lot of local uh, communities are working together to put childcare as a top priority. And that is because of the advocacy from the sector. That is because of the push from communities and grassroots level to be able to make this change. So. I would say, please continue with the advocacy and please continue to let us know how we can learn from you because you are the experts um, that's doing such an important job every single day uh, with your input. We can look at the gaps, we can look at the challenges and work together to bring the changes that families have been waiting for a long time. Also beautifully and well said, uh, you know, highlighting that from the perspective of who's on the ground, families and educators, activists and advocates. So we are now out of time, Minister Chen. We wanna thank you again so much for your responses to our questions and starting this conversation as we embark on the welcome and much needed pathway to universal childcare in BC and having you lead us uh, in the community and at the political level is just so incredibly welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Chen. Thank you, Gita. Um, and thank you to our audience for tuning in to our first podcast episode of the series. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes where we'll be chatting to a range of childcare professionals and advocates. <laughs>